Wow, that was fantastic. Can you say with me, I am a child of the one true king? Awesome. It'd be better if you were waving your arms, but that's all right. We won't make you do that. Thank you to our kids and to a whole bunch of parents who made a whole bunch of rehearsals and, and for teaching your kids to worship God and to lead us in worship God, worshiping God. I love that song, uh, and I love this story. I love Ray's story, partly because I know Ray. We know Ray. Ray, if you didn't know, is our former mayor here in, in uh, Fort Collins and a part of the Timberline family and a, and a great man of God. But I love that story, too, because it's the story that I believe God wants to tell in the lives of each and every one of the millions of orphans in this world that we live in. You see, every orphan's story is different, some of them very tragic, but, but in some way, every orphan's story is the same in that they all live with the need to be renamed by the redemptive love of our Heavenly Father. And we are given as his people the opportunity and the mandate in Scripture to be a part of leading them into redemption with a loving God and a loving Father. Ray will be raised with us th this weekend, and there's a table. He has a table in the mall. Love for you to go by and meet him if you'd like. He's written a book. It's a great book. I highly recommend it called Baby Boy R, and it's his story. It's the story of redemption. And so those books are available uh, to pick one up, to buy one on the way out as well. So please. Uh, do that if you can. I want to take just a minute before we get into things here and, and ask that if you, it's Veterans Day weekend, if you are a veteran, if you have served in any of our armed forces, uh, I'd like to ask you to stand, if you would, so that we can thank you and honor you. thank God for you. Thank you for who you are, for what you've done um, for us. Also, by way of introduction, to introduce myself, my name is Mark Orphan. I'm the missions pastor here at Timberline Church, and I don't get up here very often. Um, and so I, I wanted to mention that, but also to say, I, 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 Kristen and I are advocates for Christian adoption and orphan care in, in other places. And so from time to time, we get to share uh, at other places, and, and when people, when I introduce my name, people will kind of look funny at first, and some, and eventually, someone will always say, "Did you, did you change your name just like for this cause?" And and I didn't, but it's actually a great story, and it kind of fits our our theme of labels uh, this weekend. So I will tell you quickly that my, uh, and I think we have a picture. My great grandparents. This is their 50th wedding anniversary. Uh, my great-grandpa, who's my dad's dad's dad, uh, was born in Greece as Panaitis Zapakis, uh, which is a difficult name to say. Uh, he lived here with the name Pete Orphan. He ran away from home when he was 12 years old. He's from a broken home, ran away from home and stowed away on a ship at 12 years old came to this country, came through Ellis Island in the first couple of months that he was here. He lived with the label, that orphan kid. Didn't know the language and couldn't really assimilate into our culture. And so he, in a short time, acquired the name and it became his legal name, Pete Orphan. 
And I'm proud of that. And I'm proud to be a part of that story and that heritage. And, and there you go. So I didn't change my name. He did. And uh, so anyways, that's it. Orphan Care Weekend has already been introduced. And, and we, we are one of a growing number of churches uh, every year that takes a weekend and sets it aside in November uh, to celebrate and to look at God's heart for orphans, for fatherless children. Why would we do that? Why would other churches do that? Why, why is this a growing movement amongst churches? And, and I want to just jump right into the question, why must the church care for fatherless children? Well, first of all, God commands it. And, and, and most importantly, God commands it. James chapter 1, verse 27, which is a pretty familiar uh, passage in Scripture, says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to care and look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Both. There are two things there, two very distinct things, and it's a, it's a mandate. It's a, it's a definition. This is what God's people are to be collectively and individually. Practical charity and personal purity. It's not one or the other. It's both. It's not an option. It's a mandate that that is who God created us to be and commands us to be as his people. Psalm chapter 82 verse 3 says, defend the cause of the weak and the fatherless. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17 says, seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Proverbs 31.8 is a passage of scripture that I love. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. That is what a fatherless child is. Someone who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of those who are destitute. We could go on and on and we won't. But the, the truth is that orphans or fatherless children are singled out 41 different times in God's word. So clearly, the orphans and fatherless children, they have a special place in God's heart. And God intends us to, to, to pay specific attention and to be, as, as being a part of his people, to care for people that he mentions so often and are so close to his heart. The, the poor are mentioned over 2,000 times in Scripture, our, our mandate to care for the poor. And when you think about it and you understand what the plight of a fatherless child is, orphans are the least of the least when we talk about the poor. They, they have no influence, no voice, no control over future opportunity. They are, they are subject to the whims of, of, of agencies sometimes or, or, or people who just place them in different, but they don't have any say in that. Secondly, Christ's love compels us to care for fatherless children. If we really understand what God's love is, the major theme of Scripture in God's Word is that we, you are blessed to be a blessing. God truly did create us to, to, to pour his blessings out on us and to love us, but he did so in a way that he intended, and Scripture is clear to say, that he intended for us to embody his love to others in the world. And so he didn't just pour out his love on us so that for our sake, but because, because we are here on this earth that he created, and there are people who are lost and broken in this world. And to understand really what Christ's love is, it is that it, he is shaping in us and creating in us his image to embody his love and to be his hands and feet to love others. And so to understand, to understand what Christ's love is, to understand his heart 
for orphans and fatherless children. 1 John 3.16 in the message translation. I love how it reads in the message translation. That Not John 3.16. This is 1 John 3.16. says this. If you see some brother or sister in need, some orphan, a fatherless child in need, and you have the means to do something about it, but you turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears and you made it disappear. We sang earlier, if not us, who will be like Jesus to the least of these? God placed us here to be that, to be his love for those that are broken. Thirdly, human need demands it. And this is really just about numbers. Between, there are between four and 5,000, almost a half million kids in the foster care system in our country. These are children who have no place to call home, no parents to call mom and dad, no people to care for them on a daily basis, and no group, no family group to belong to. Almost a half million in our country. If you look worldwide, there are 150 to 160 million orphans in the world. Now, if you're like me, and I care about those numbers deeply, but I hear those numbers a lot, and I can almost feel my eyes starting to blur, because my heart and my mind, I don't know what to do with numbers like that. They, they just kind of blur and become numbers, because we just, how do you deal with that? It's overwhelming. It's staggering. And I want to challenge you this weekend, do not let those numbers just be numbers. Don't let them blur in your heart and mind because the truth is that every number, every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters greatly to the God who created you and I. Every number has a name, every name has a story, and every one of those stories matters to God and is close to the heart of God and as his people should matter to us. Fourthly, only the church is large enough to handle this problem, the problem being the orphan crisis in the world that we live in and in the country that we live in. No other institution can handle this problem. God did not create other bodies or institutions or organizations to be able to handle this problem. There's no government. There's no network of social service agencies. There is nothing that can handle the problem of orphan care except for his church. He created us. He empowered us. He grows us, and he mandates us. He, he only he set that aside for us. It is our calling. It is our problem, and it's not a problem that's too big for God's people, for God's church. Let me do a little bit of math with you. There are over 103, I'm sorry, there are over 300,000 Christian churches in this country that we live in, over 300,000. Today, there are 102,000 children in our country that are waiting for adoption, waiting. They've been cleared, they've been, they don't have, no one has parental rights. The only thing standing between them and a loving family is that family stepping up and, say, and, and bringing them into their home. 102,000. Now, with a, simp, a little bit of simple math, if one family in every two churches, just one family in every two churches in this country adopted one of those children, that part of the crisis would be taken care of. This is not a problem that the church can't handle. 
It is absolutely not a problem that you're here. Now, I want to pause here for a minute because I want you really to hear me on this. God is not calling the majority of his people and families his people to adopt. Don't hear me to say that, please. In fact, it is a minority. Of, it is a calling that is very specific. When we talk about missionaries and we have missionaries stand up here, the message is not, well, gosh, they're doing it. You should be doing it. It is a very specific calling. And it is a small minority of us that God specifically lays it on our hearts to be foster or adoptive parents. But I do believe that within God's people in this country, there, 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 there are people that he wants to raise up and he wants to whisper in their ear. And for the rest of us, there are all kinds of roles by which we can support those families. And we'll talk about some of those in a little bit. This is not a problem that the church united cannot handle. Let's talk about the over 400,000 kids that are in the foster care system in our country. 400,000, there are over 300,000 families. If two families from every church in America either adopted or became a foster parent or a host home or signed up to be a mentor or to or a CASA in some way to substantially connect in a mentoring or family relationship with every 400,000 of those kids, and those opportunities do exist, we would wipe out the problem overnight. Every one of them would be connected with someone who loves Jesus and was showing them the love of Jesus every day, and we would have a waiting list. Now, imagine that, that, that we would have, we could do this if just two families in every church, we, we could take care of every county in this nation, and we could walk into every county administrator's office, and we could say, we have connected families, as, as the collective church in this county, we've connected families with every one of the kids in your foster care system, and we're caring for them in different ways, and here's a list. We've got a waiting list. These families are cleared and screened and trained and mandated by God to care for those children. So the next time that a child is abused or neglected and removed from a home, please call us because we have families waiting. Would that be awesome? Do you believe that that might be God's heart for his people and for fatherless children in this county, in this country? I believe that it is. I pray and I hope that in my lifetime that happens, that there isn't a waiting list of kids waiting for us Rather, we have a waiting list that we can hand to the system and say, we're waiting. Please let us know. The church is large enough, and God has empowered the church to, to handle and to manage this problem. God has a purpose and a new name for every life, a purpose and a new name. I can't say it better than Ray's story did in terms of, of, of God pre-scripting pre a specific purpose for every life. Psalms 39 is the 30, 139th Psalm is, is a beautiful promise that, that, that every person has a purpose that is prescripted by God as our created creator before we were ever born. There was never a child born that God did not love enough to die for and that he doesn't have a specific and an individual plan for. Ray mentioned that term illegitimate child and I, I man, that, that, that term makes my skin crawl. There is no illegitimate child. There is no accidental child in this world. God created 
individually and specifically and has a purpose for every one of those children. The, the world is full of millions of adults who have screwed up. And, and the results of their actions are children without homes. But there is no illegitimate child. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, which is kind of our theme verse for this weekend, says this, Don't be afraid, for I will protect you. I will call you by name. You are mine. Nobody understands what it is to be labeled in negative ways more than a fatherless child. We saw that in Ray's story, and you could see it in, in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of stories of fatherless children all over the world. God calls us as his people to care enough to help them to find their new name in him. Well, how can, I, how can I participate in God's plan for orphans? And I hope that you're asking that question. But when we ask that question, I think it's important not just to say, okay, it's clear, I get it. God, God wants me to play a part in, what he's, in, what, in his heart for, for orphans around the world. But, but rather, so what is God up to is the question. And to answer that question, I think it's important to say, what is God doing around us? What is God doing around this church? What's God doing in this state, in this community, and through his church uh, here in northern Colorado? And he's doing a lot. I want you to hear from two amazing women of God who are right in the middle of great things that God is doing in this community and in this church. Carrie Stewart, who leads all of our orphan care ministry here at Timberline Church and, and, and actually regionally in northern Colorado, and Dr. Sharon Ford. I'm here with Dr. Sharon Ford. She has been with State Department as the Permanency Placement Director for 30 years. She recently retired, and we are so happy to have her here with us this weekend. Dr. Ford, you have made a huge impact in our state. You have united the faith-based community in a powerful way. You have impacted children's lives significantly. What, what prompted you to, to do this? The kids. It's always about the kids, and so it's always been about the children. Dr. Ford, what do you think a loving family does for a waiting child? Family gives a child an opportunity to grow, to struggle, um, to experience life to its fullest um, with people who care and support and meet that child's needs all along the way. What kind of opportunities do you want to see our children receive? That is such a powerful question. Our kids, Colorado's kids, need a family. First of all, their birth families. Their families healthy, um, being able to stay at home, stay in their home school, um, having the church be there to support their birth family. That's what they need first. And then they need the community to really support them and through that process. So that means supporting them as an individual, supporting their birth family, and then if they have to come into foster care, that they would have the church community support them there. Colorado has led the way in uniting faith-based community with kids and families in need. And I've heard you say many, many times that there's still much work to be done. What do you mean by that? You know what I mean is that um, there's an opportunity to be involved with prevention, preventing kids from coming in to care. And the faith community has such a wonderful opportunity to meet families where they are every day. Sharon, we so appreciate you being here with us this weekend. Is there anything you'd like to share with us today? Any, any thought you'd like to leave us with? I think one of the biggest things that's on my heart right now has to do with 
the labels that people give our kids and our families. You're this, you're that. They're just kids. They're just families in need. And there are families in our community in need. And so if we, as community, could not turn our heads and say, that's not my issue, if we could look at it as, these are my neighbors in my community, they're standing in need, and that I could play, I could make a difference in the life of a child that would change their future. I could make a difference in the life of a family that could impact them and their future. That that's, I'm called to do that. I have a responsibility to do that here in the U.S., in Larimer County, in Weld County, today, and in the days to come. That's what I would ask. God has truly raised these ladies up in this community, in this state, to, to, to open doors for us, unique ways. Colorado does lead the way. It's become a national model. Uh, and, and, and God has used them to create ways that you and I can be engaged in. I'm not going to go through them all, but I want to encourage you. There are six tables in the mall at the end of this service. I want you to go out and I want you to meet an amazing team of orphan care leaders who can talk to you about those opportunities. Uh, they're going to be listed here on the screen. There are a lot of them. One is to expand your home through foster care adoption, host becoming a host family, support and encourage foster adoptive families in well, Larimer and Well County through the Finally Home Foundation of events to go to Guatemala, Haiti, or, or uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, where our orphan care partners are, uh, and we go every year to those places to pray, to be a part of a prayer team, but to pray by name every day for foster adoptive families that are part of this church, and to give, to, to give through the, the offering at the end of this service that we'll talk about in a couple minutes, or to sponsor a child in Guatemala, which you could do this weekend. So please go and find out about those stories. But the second way to examine this question, what can I do, really has to do with you and your story, or me and my story. Because the, the, the truth is that, that this, is where, this is where every one of us is no different than a fatherless child and the point at which he allows us to relate personally to their greatest need, and that is to be adopted and to be renamed by a Savior who already paid the price for us. Because, because we, we, we live with labels, don't we? We live with ways that God didn't design for us to understand ourselves or to think of ourselves or even to be known by other people. And our redemption story is that of God taking us and the labels that we've grabbed onto and making us something new. I want to tell you just very briefly a story. People will ask me sometimes, what, you know, what, is there, is there, at what point did, did you kind of really make advocating for fatherless children a, a passion and something that you spend a, a lot of your time and, and energy with. And if I had to point to one moment, it would be a relabeling, a renaming moment. August 30th, 1985, I was 19 years old and I was standing on the lawn and I remember it like it was yesterday of a college campus called Southern California College in Costa Mesa, California. And I was there uh, having, having been raised in a, in a single parent home, my dad left and, and never came back and left my mom to raise five boys who were very difficult in, in a lot of ways. And my mom turned to God, and her life is a miracle because God, God she, she's a hero in the faith and as a mom and as a parent, but I didn't. I, I, I let seeds of resentment uh, just kind of grow inside of me. And I grew these labels in my heart that really began to define me and drive me. Labels of, uh, I was angry, 
I was hateful, and I was prideful. And I, and I don't have time to tell you the whole story and how that manifests itself, but at 19 years old, I had had a last-minute opportunity to go to college, and so I jumped on it, and to tell you the truth, God opened that door. I know it now, but I really, for me, I was running away from, from, from something that I didn't like and, and as far away from home as I could get, and I had never been in the western United States, much less the state of California, and here I was on registration day uh, trying to register. You had to, you had to financially register to get into the door. And I had, I had saved up enough money to, to, for a one-way ticket to get there, and I had $62 in my pocket. How many of you know you can't register at a private university with $62? I hadn't bothered to read all the other stuff they sent, but once I saw you're accepted, I just, that was it. I didn't need to know anything else. I'll figure it out when I get there. So I st I'm standing. So I, they literally removed me from the registration line and said, sir, you, you're not going to college here. You're not going to bully us. And, and you just need to go. And so I did, and I was standing on this lawn all by myself, didn't know anybody. And here it was, me and God, for the first time in a lot of years. And he had me in many ways, I know now, right where he wanted me. And God began to reveal to me, because uh, I hated at that moment, like I, I, at, a, at a new level. And, and these labels really began to manifest themselves in a way that kind of scared me. What I did at some point, I kind of gathered my head enough to say, I, I didn't know anybody there, but I knew a name. I knew of a man named Byron Klaus who was a, was, was a college professor there because someone had told me that he used to be a pastor, one of the pastors at, at my family's home church back in the Midwest. So I thought, I'm just going to find this guy. So I went and I found him, I introduced myself, and, and I just said, listen, I, I don't think you can help me, but I, I, I just, I don't what to do. And, and I told him my story and he said, yeah, I, I know. I, I, I don't think I can help you. And, and yes, this is kind of awkward. Um, and, and, and he said, I don't, I don't, let me, I tell you what, I don't go back to wherever you came from before you came in my office and give me an hour. And let me just at least make a couple phone calls. Don't get your hopes up now. So I did. And, and in that hour, you guys, I can remember that hour. I can remember everything about that hour. Because it was a time again where I, I just, God was speaking to me, and I, and I wasn't looking for him. I, I didn't really want to talk to God. But he had me, and I was scared in a way I hadn't been. And I, this prideful drivenness that had taken me to that point, it, that wasn't going to do me any good anymore because I, I was stuck. I didn't know how I was going to get home. I didn't know where I was going to sleep that night. And, and so, so after 55 minutes of just kind of, wrestling with God and being pretty mad at God and mad at myself and mad at my dad who I hadn't even talked to for years and, and couldn't care less about me, but it just felt good to be mad at him again because that defined me. I went back up to his office and he, he had this look on his face. So you're not going to believe this. He said, I, I called the church and, and, and yeah, they confirmed that your family does go there and, and, and they, they had me call someone else and eventually it connected me to a man who, who wants to be, be anonymous. But, but he, he, he pledged, he gave in a form of a scholarship the $8,000 that you need to get in and to register here. And, and he, said, he said a bunch of stuff, and somewhere in the middle of that, he said, he, he, he vouched for you, he, uh, and, and he's investing in you. He used those words, and I didn't really hear anything after that because it, it, at that moment, God, God spoke to me. 
And when we talk about fatherless kids, and I wasn't a fatherless kid. I could have kind of had a relationship with my dad, but I was too angry. I didn't want it. But I, but I connected with, with the heart of a fatherless child like I never had because all of a sudden, I felt what it was like to have someone advocate for me and vouch for me. And man, it was life-changing. And so God began in that moment to, to, to nurture and to grow the seeds of these new labels in my life, caring, forgiving, and trusting. Caring, forgiving, and trusting. And God began at that moment to build something. See, he wanted to do something in me before he could do something through me. And I think we can, I, I, I hope you can all grab onto that story a little bit because that's what God wants from his people. That's who we are. This was the beginning of God was, of what God wanted to do through me, but he had to do something in me first. In a few moments, we're gonna sing a song and then we're gonna give you an opportunity to give back to God and to support some of the, the incredible ways that God has allowed this church to do substantial things in the lives, life-changing ways for fatherless children. I can't list them all. I don't have time uh, to do that. But, but we're going to do that in a few moments. But before we do, I want to pray with you. And I want you to take that name tag out of your, out of your uh, program there. There's a, a little blank name tag that says, hello, my name is. I want you to hold that in your hand as you pray. And I'm not going to direct you what to do from that with this, from this point forward. But I'd encourage you to take it with you. And I would encourage you to seek the names that name or names that God might want you to write on there. New names that he has for you. For some of you, this will be a reflection and it comes to you quickly. Yeah, I remember when God, I was this and God made me this and he gave me a new name. For some of you, that is right now and you're kind of wrestling through that and you're wanting God to reveal new names for you so that you can shed some names that you've carried around for yourself. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and your goodness and your power in our lives. And God, I just pray for each and every one of us here. God, we know your promises are true that you want us to be something new. And I pray that you would whisper in every one of our ears this morning, God, as a reminder of who you've made us to be or, or, or as a revelation of who you want us to be, a new name, God, a new name, every one of us individually. I pray that you would do that for us in this moment as we take time to look at, for these, at these kids that you care so deeply about. Work in us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. He said it, every one of these kids is beautiful, every one of us is beautiful, worth every scar, every tear. He said it, it's a promise, believe it, receive it, accept it. Be transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here this weekend and for considering what God wants to do in and through you, in and through this church, in and through his people for the sake of children who clearly have a very special place in his heart. Please go on your way out. Stop by the six tables. Meet our orphan care leaders. Pray prayerfully. Consider a step towards being a part of caring for these children. There will also be prayer workers up here in the front. If you'd like to stay and pray with someone, please do that. Remember this. There are no illegitimate children in the family of God. We are all planned. We are all loved. We are all wanted. Thank you for being here this weekend. Mm -hmm.